This is Toasted Sister. I'm Andy Murphy, and I'm here at Takabe, one of the only Native American restaurants in Denver, Colorado. And I'm here with Ben Jacobs, the owner. Hi. Hi. How's it going? It's going good. Uh, so tell me a little bit about uh, Takabe, just sort of an intro while I take a bite of these buffalo ribs here. Bison so ribs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, Takabe American Indian Eatery is the only native-owned operated restaurant um, in Denver metro area focusing on native foods. Uh, we have been open for in our current location, or I should say our original location, for about eight and a half years. Uh, we have a second location that opened two and a half years on the uh, two and a half years ago on the south side of town. Then have a food truck. Um, our whole goal in mind is to kind of um, broaden people's perspective on what native foods is now, what it's becoming, what it can kind of become in the future, and also kind of share and spread a voice for native community um, in a restaurant setting. So build a restaurant environment that's really focused on not only foods, but community at the same time. So uh, these bison ribs have been on the menu since uh, the beginning? No, they didn't actually. It was something that started as a Friday, Saturday night special just to see how it would go since we're kind of set up as a fast casual restaurant where you walk up and order at the counter um, so you can kind of see all the food right in front of you. It's not uh, table service, so it's kind of something that we incorporated as a special to see how it would go since it doesn't normally fit in that setting. Um, and it became so popular that it became a daily menu item, you know, all day long. So It's really good. I just dipped it in the barbecue sauce is that homemade <laughs> yes we make the barbecue uh in-house and we rotate throughout the year so um our most popular blueberry and blackberry barbecue sauce so right now we're doing blueberry nice it's delicious good thanks and for um a lot of restaurants there's a changing of menus new items getting rid of some old ones what are some of the new ones you've you've brought in lately so we rotate um like seasonal salsas and relishes and then we do um kind of seasonal sides as well that we rotate depending on uh, obviously what time of year and then what kind of preparation. So with the summer coming in, we'll start doing summer squashes that we uh, grill just over the open fire in the back. And you can get that with the ribs or you can just order it um, as a side with anything else. And then we have our seasonal relishes right now. We have a zucchini and squash relish um, that's really, really popular. And then we've also lately incorporated our wild rice bowls, which have become incredibly popular with people. So, yeah, we kind of rotate things throughout the year, and it's just dependent on, you know, overall quality of what products are coming in and going out. I mean, we have a set menu that we stick with year-round, but we like to incorporate different ideas and ingredients, you know, whenever possible. Um, when uh, people are visiting, do they usually ask, like, what tribe is this from? Or, you know, or, or just for you, what, what kind of flavors are you incorporating? And are they, do they have, like, a tribe attached to them? So that's kind of where we're at now is, um, you know, we started, when we started, my business partner and I, you know, we were pretty young. So when we started working on the idea, the concept, we were 23. We opened when we were 25. Um, and so we've come, you know, a long way since then. A, a lot of our original recipes started with, you know, my grandma's recipes. Um, and then we've evolved upon that. So I guess you could say like initial, I, you know, additional menu and recipes were Osage based because of my grandma and my mom. Um, and then we've obviously ventured into new things. And we're lucky enough to be able to travel around, incorporate different ideas, different ingredients um, from different tribal regions. So... We want to make sure that we can incorporate, um, you know, ideas from all over because obviously we're all different. We all come from different 
regions, you know, all, all different tribes. But I think the biggest thing for us, especially where we're at in native restaurants, at least for where we're at in the fast casual market, is to just like make sure that we're having that representation there. And uh, so we're not specifically regional or anything like that. And the best part is that we have so many native people working with us is, you know, people are able to incorporate different ideas or ingredients from where they're from. So, you know, it's really an effort that everyone's putting in to kind of share their experience or who they are, where they come from. Uh, in terms of uh, where we are uh, restaurant-wise, um, there's not very native, very many native restaurants. So mm -hmm. um, where where are we right now? We're just, you know, starting the beginning of um, uh, restaurantizing our food. Yeah, I think that, um, and obviously we're not the only ones. There's a lot out there. There's a lot of native chefs that have been out there for years, you know, striving to make a name for this food. Um, you know, working on expanding the understanding of what it is. Um, and we're falling in that line, you know, just following a lot of people's footsteps. Um, it's actually interesting. My parents, we based our concept off a restaurant that my parents had started in 1989 called Gray Horse American Indian Eatery. Um, and that one was in a food court here in Denver when we first moved to Denver. Um, and so, you know, there's not just them, but I mean, there's been chefs doing that for years. My parents in no way are chefs and I don't really see myself as a chef either, but I think we're to that point now that, uh, food in general is really exciting, um, no matter what culture it's from, but food in general is exciting. And now we're to the point that, um, native foods really has a voice and an identity and it's evolving. And that's really exciting because it's coming from the voice of the community. Um, it's not people outside deciding what our food is or what it should be. It's, uh, it's people within our own community taking the reins and really developing um, what it is now and what it's becoming. And that's something that we've found, I found really interesting is a lot of other cuisines is always about progression, like pushing forward and changing and adapting. And we get people that come in that um, in many ways have that historical um, identity that they're expecting, you know, whether that's Hollywood driven or what it may be. So they kind of want that old experience or, or maybe that's what they're expecting. Um, so that's our whole thing is we're here to talk about what's going on today and where we're going in the future, um, especially through food. So I think we're at a great point for native foods and restaurants. And I'm excited to see people opening um, because I think it's beneficial to all of us. Um, we've had people ask us that, like, are you, you know, would you be worried about competition? And in no way would I be worried about that because um, I think it's exciting. I think that people should be opening restaurants. I think that we should all be experiencing this and sharing our ideas and our identities. So I'm all for it. I fully support people. When I see someone opening, whether it's a food truck or a restaurant, I always like to call them and reach out and say congratulations because the restaurant industry is not an easy industry. Um, it's really, really hard. So if someone's willing to take the risk and really work at it, I am in full support of that. Uh, what What are some of the biggest challenges you had to overcome? I mean, um, being a really young person, opening up a restaurant, uh, what were some of the really big challenges you had to overcome? So I think the biggest, you know, the biggest challenge for us was that people had no idea what the food really was, what to expect. And like, it's, it sounds so weird to say it this way. And I don't really know another way to describe it, but it's so, it's such like a foreign idea to people, you know, even though it's not foreign, you know, people are like, what is this? I have no idea. Um, but that's, that's the whole thing is I think that's the exciting part about what we do too, is because people are really excited about it and interested and they're interested to learn not only about like what we do in terms of ingredients, but what we do in terms of um, like who our people are. So 
I think it's exciting when, you know, you can have, we can have someone working here that's, you know, a young native person that's 18 and you have someone that's not from their community come in and be really interested in who they are as a person. Like that's exciting because that's outside of food. Like that's like people coming together. And I think that's something that's really enjoyable. So the, the biggest thing I would say that we had to overcome was just getting people to come in and experience it um, and try it. But again, that's a good point we're at in food right now is that people are willing to go out in you know experiment you know and especially where we are in denver like i always tell people you can go out on monday for korean wednesday for ethiopian and friday for native food you know i mean you can get whatever you want so it's nice to see that people are willing to experiment especially culturally but yeah i mean restaurants are just hard in general but for us that was a huge hurdle to overcome what kind of advice would you give to somebody who is maybe also in a big city like denver um, who's looking to open a restaurant a native restaurant I mean, the biggest thing is I think that anyone that goes into cooking, anyone that goes into restaurants, um, this industry that we're in um, has to be work, you know, work ethic, like drive has to be your number one thing. I think especially in business, you know, that's the thing for us. We started young and it was full commitment, you know, I mean, not taking days off, working 13, 14, 15 hour days, like doing what it takes. If that's if that's what you want to do and that's the goal, like you have to it's not a part time gig, especially. Uh, restaurants you have to put like everything into it and I'm not saying other industries don't have to do that but especially restaurants it just takes so much effort so my biggest thing is if you're gonna do it do it for the passion do it for the drive um, and really have a clear um, vision of what you'd like to do understanding that that will like change and adapt and evolve because what our vision was 10 years ago is totally different now um, if you keep that commitment that vision in mind you know, it, it, you may not succeed, you may not make what you want it to be, but at least you walk away knowing that you did what you want to do and you can feel proud about, you know, the venture that you took upon yourself, you know. Right, right. Uh, you get to um, rub shoulders with a lot of the native chefs in um, our community. Um, you're going to um, conferences and workshops and stuff like that. You're speaking about native food. And um, a lot of the a lot of the chefs, um, the ones that I've had on a toasted sister, they're really against uh, fry bread. Yeah. Uh, you still have fry bread on your menu. What? Where do you see fry bread um, in Native America? I guess is it. Do you, do you think it's ever going to go away? Yeah. I mean, it's it's a really complex um, conversation. Mm -hmm. um, I have my own reasons and opinions for it. Um, and I, you know, if people are for it or against it. Um, I'm fine with either side. And I've had that conversation with multiple chefs and mm -hmm. um, where people come from. And again, I don't, I like working with chefs because I don't consider myself a chef. Um, and I learn a lot from them, which is really exciting for me and sharing ideas. But in terms of fry bread, you know, I think again, when we were 23 and coming up with the idea, the biggest thing was, okay, so we didn't really have a lot of other native restaurants to base or to like see like, this is the benchmark, like what works, what doesn't work. And so especially looking at my parents' restaurant that opened in the 80s, like they did fry bread too. They did something, um, you know, they did uh, my grandma's recipe and stuff. And so then we started talking about um, what is, you know, relatively familiar, not only to natives, but non-natives. Like what is something that's familiar for us to get our foot in the door, you know, to get people like, oh, okay, at least I get that. Um, and so we started with that, with other menu items as well. Um, but that's something that we started, and it's obviously pretty popular. 
Um, but I would say like that's why we call ourselves Tokabe American Indian Eatery because the whole vision was to expand upon what it is. You know, we're not like Tokabe Fry Bread restaurant you know or Takabe um, fry bread house you know it's because we wanted to expand beyond that and that's where we're getting to now but at the same time I have a hard time uh, talking you know bad about it and again I'm not saying that it's healthy I'm not saying it's something you should eat every day I don't eat it every day um, I do think that it has cultural connection for people and I think that's important for a lot of people um, but for me especially you know it's as a, you know as my mom always said I was a grandma's boy when I was little and she passed away and to me it's something that was left behind for me among many other things that she left but that's something that she left that i was able to use to create not only opportunity for myself for my family um for all these people that work with us um it's created opportunity one recipe i always say that one recipe created all this opportunity so it's hard for me to say that it's really a it's it's bad you know or i shouldn't do it because um, I think it does have so much connection to me. And again, I'm the health side, I fully understand. I'm never going to tell you that it's a healthy thing to eat. I want to be able to show off other things as well. Um, but again, I do it. We do it. So I guess it's part of, part of who we are. Yeah, well, I wanted to add that um, I do uh, the Howler Hut, which is like a... Um, this is going to be the second year at the Navajo Nation Fair, uh, mm-hmm. just a, a food stand that we do. But mm-hmm. uh, last year, I wanted to focus on like the street tacos. Mm-hmm. Um, but our main seller was just fry bread. And, right. you know, that's an indicator that it's never going to go away is because right. that was right. our main, main seller. And people were just, you know, eating it up at the right. Eastern right. Navajo Nation Fair. Right. Um, and it's kind of hard listening to some of these conversations um, that these chefs are having about how poisonous, you know, poisonous and god awful <laughs> the mm-hmm. fry bread is. But you know, there's also that other side where you can celebrate its um, telling its resilience of Native America, I guess. Right, and I think uh, you know, it's one thing we're all so distinctly different from one another, but we are still very much tied to one another, you know, as Native people, and it is something that does bring us together you know it's something that is um something that we can really share and it's as we all know it's a joke it's like wherever you come from it's like all oh, mine's better than yours you know and, uh, whether you're on the east coast or the you know northwest or you're in the southwest wherever you are or you're in the plains i mean everyone has their their yeah. style and again i think even though we have our cultural differences and specific identities that are different like that is truly something that brings us together and again i think that there's two sides of it it's like it's the health side of it you know, then there's that historical side of it. But again, I'm kind of with you in the fact of like, it's something that sustains us. And I, that's, I know that's always an argument as well. Um, <laughs> but the thing I like to think about too, especially from a culinary aspect is that I think in many ways we take away from the ingenuity of, you know, the first women that produced that because it's not like, I don't think, this is just my opinion. <laughs> I don't think they created a technique. I think that they were given ingredients and they were in a situation that was unfamiliar. Um, and they had to do something that was familiar and something that made them feel secure in where they were. And so they used techniques that they already had in terms of cooking. Mm-hmm. And so they just uh, substituted ingredients from what they would have normally used and used a similar cooking technique to just create something that was going to feed their family. And I think that that's important because especially from a culinary standpoint, that's what we're all about is how we cook things, you know, what our technique is and sharing techniques. And so, um, yes, the fry bread is not good. It's not healthy. Um, but again, I think in many ways we need to think about that aspect too of like where it came about is we were using knowledge, you know, we were using um, things that were, that, you know, had been going on for 
years in order to create something. And I think that's, you know, that's the ingenuity of it. That's the taking your resources and making it into something. I think that's important. I think that's something that we should give credit to the people that did that is again that's a part of the sustaining it's not just the food it's it's the whole thing i mean that's what food is about it's not just the nourishment in your belly it's like the nourishment of your soul too you know, that's important yeah. so um what kind of conversation went on if there was a conversation or if there was maybe some kind of conflict or pushback against um uh, inviting alcohol into uh your restaurant here yeah, so that was uh, something that we went back and forth with a lot, and mostly me. That was an internal struggle for me, you know, opening up. But I felt like after, you know, and I asked a lot of people before, but I felt like that was me giving in to a stereotype. That was me giving in to, um, you know, what people's general perspective were, what they thought, like, you know, Indian people were about. And I thought that that's ridiculous because it's not true. Um, and also my feeling was we're adults and for far too long or you know many of us are adults other than our children but for far too long I feel like you know natives have been treated as like children in many ways or second-class you know, citizen however you want to say it and again I'm not trying to be disrespectful I'm just saying I think that that was the perspective towards people's like my feeling was is if an Indian wants to come in here and have an adult conversation in an adult beverage and make that decision for themselves that's fine we're not a bar you're never designed to be a bar. I'm also a restaurant. Um, if someone wants to come in and have a beer to go with the meal, or someone wanted to have a glass of wine at a different restaurant to go with their meal, then so be it. Um, but I didn't. I felt like it'd be giving into a stereotype. Um, it'd be kind of proving the fact of then people are like, oh well, they don't serve alcohol because. Uh, so you know that was that was a tough conversation for us. But at the same time, I feel like, you know, the vast majority of names that come in here don't even drink beer. Don't you know? But if that's an option they want so be it you know they're, they're welcome to have that um so yeah i think that was a really uh that was an internal conflict um but at the same time i just felt like if i if i didn't do it then that'd be allowing stereotypes to continue and perpetuate which i'm not really for um it's again it's about breaking the mold of you know show people who we are now um showing that we're uh we're very strong and resilient and forward, forward moving people. And so I, I'm frustrated that I had to deal with, you know, to actually think that way, you know, that I had to actually have that conversation internally. Like that's a frustrating aspect. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I went, I think I went two years sober, um, a couple years ago, or actually this will probably be one year not sober <laughs> after my two years of sobriety mm -hmm. and the main reason why i did that was because there was this um there was this you know we, we all went to the bar we were young in college um you know some of us were kind of drunk mm -hmm. <laughs> and i we started uh you know talking about i think some native issues or something and people around us you know we were talking right. to them very loudly like you know we're native and blah 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 and people around us were looking at us and I was looking at them looking at us and I was like oh my gosh right, you know right. we are that stereotype that right. drunken Indian stereotype and so after that one 
uh, night out, I was sober for two years. Yeah. And then it finally came to that point where, you know, I'm thirsty for a good microbrew. I'm right. thirsty for an IPA. I'm thirsty for all this, you know, the microbrew, you know, sensation. Yeah. <laughs> There's yeah. uh, brew, uh, brew houses popping up all over the place, and I wanted to mm-hmm. get in there and taste it. So um, I broke my sobriety, and mm-hmm. I didn't want, like, that kind of stereotype to have that kind of power over me. Right. So I don't enjoy, you know, tasting around because it's also an exciting time for beer and microbrew. Mm -hmm. Especially in the, you know, in what we do in the, in the restaurant community. I mean, you see it now where like, you know, so many things are so chef driven, you know, and there's like all these really exciting uh, ideas coming out of the culinary side. But at the same time, there's like all these amazing ideas coming out of like mixologists, you know, and making these crazy drinks. And it's not like you're going out to like, or people aren't going out, I should say, to like get wasted. You're not just like taking shots, but it's like, look at what someone can do to infuse these flavors with that. So it's almost very similar as food. It does, yes, have alcohol in it, but it's very similar to food of like really um, being creative and combining um, ideas and flavors and developing something special. Um, And that's kind of what the restaurant world is now. Um, So yeah, I I mean, I I definitely see where you're coming from. and, And that's something that we've had people ask us that question pretty often, but you know, I guess, I guess, yeah, kind of, it kind of is what it is. But. How do you see us uh, continuing to break molds in um, uh, native cuisine? Yeah, I mean, I guess the good, the good thing and the really exciting thing is that native food is not. I always say it's not like clearly defined. It's like, what is it? Like, yeah. what it is? Because right, it is so like tribal. It's so regional. Um, but in many ways it's so broad because again like that like we're talking about like an urban setting and you have like relocation cities like Denver for instance you have people from so many different tribes bringing ideas and identities together so it's cool to like be tribally specific in your food it's cool to be regionally specific in your food and it's cool to like bring in a lot of people and their ideas into your food so again like there is I don't know if there is a mold um, but I think that we're developing what we all want it to be and developing its identity in many ways, it's ingredient-driven, you know? It's people-driven, it's uh, it's conversation and community-driven, and that's what I like. And my, you know, I always, you know, say that, like, my biggest fear is that if, that it's becoming exciting and popular, and then other people are gonna start to try and do it, and that's gonna be defined by people from outside of our community. So again, that's what I like about this movement of native foods, indigenous foods, and cooks and chefs and restaurateurs is, like, it's truly, my feeling is about being belonging and being together and uh, really sharing this and again the success for one of us you know helps for the success for all of us you know I have a friend that always says you know you thrive I thrive we thrive and if we can think that mentality then you know we can all succeed because that's the goal is let's all succeed especially for like what we do is I have to buy food from somewhere so can I buy from a native source yeah sweet so that means like we all grow together so that's that's the whole thing is really building um, that community um, and I, that's what I like is that people are kind of making their own mold making their own identity through their food and that's cool I'm all for it and you know like I said I'm a restaurant tour in many ways more than a chef and I just love seeing that and being a part of it and tasting people's food because um, there's a lot of creativity coming out of the native food movement it's it's really exciting to just like watch and, and really taste <laughs> right right is there a story behind um, you know, oh, the colors the you picked, the purple and the, yeah, that's a the good design? Question. Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, so, yeah, we went back and forth. And, again, that was like we wanted the focus to be on the food. And I guess the big thing I was pushing is I wanted to 
you know, with my business partner, and there was a lot of help. I'm not saying that I designed the place, but my big push when we were having that conversation was like, let's break that romanticized image of what natives are from Hollywood, mm-hmm. um, and that show that we're different. And it's crazy, you know. We still do get questions from people, and I, you know, I don't think that people are intentionally trying to be rude or disrespectful, but they ask questions because they don't really know. But they'll ask people here, like, why don't they, like the girls, like, why don't they have braids and stuff like that? And, girls are real good about it you know or not just the girls but the guys too they're real good about just like informing people um and that's why that that's really good so anyways our uh, our design was kind of designed that way of let's make the focus on the food let's make the focus on the interaction the engagement and the education come from like the voices here but let's incorporate things that we feel are important not only to us or to me as being osage or my family as being osage um but things that i feel are important to just like natives in general so um like our wallpaper is based on kind of like Oklahoma, like prairie grass. The three hands that we did for our logo represent the three villages of the Osage. Because um, again, it was like, what can our logo, what can our brand represent? It's not what people are expecting, so they question it. So it's not like moccasins, it's not feathers, it's not dream catchers. And again, not I'm not trying to talk bad about those things. There's obviously a time and a place for all that. But I wanted to have, do something different, you know. When we had that conversation was how can we have people question like why do you have the hands you know because they're almost expecting those other things you know like why isn't there a buffalo head on the wall it's like well because we don't want a buffalo head on the wall <laughs> um and then like we have the kind of plexiglass waves on the ceiling that was like to represent wind and clouds and then the lights on the ceiling behind that that peer through kind of look like the sun peering through clouds uh the purple that we have we put on the ceiling to represent like midnight sky um and then like our green paints or sagebrush our other paints like buckskins drum leathers those kinds of things so there's all like thought behind what we wanted to represent but we also wanted people to question like so what's up with the design so then we could have that engagement with the staff and the crew to just say like yeah this is what we did these are the decisions but not like in your face we never wanted to be gift shop you know that's my big thing is like we're not trying to like do that we're trying to one be a restaurant two like have a clean representation and also show like right off the bat I guess that's I guess that's kind of going back to like breaking a stereotype was like we wanted to make sure that our restaurant was like clean and nice and like looked like it was a multi-unit operation when people walk in because it was like we don't we thought people were going to walk in and think like oh it's just like maybe it's a hole in the wall or it's like you know they're familiar with like a fry bread stand somewhere you know on the side of the road and they have this idea of what it is but we wanted people to walk in and be like wow like this especially people from our community too to be like man like awesome like especially like to build pride within all of us you know that's that's somewhat we wanted to do so yeah we put a lot of thought into kind of every element into we're very focused and driven on like what we're constantly representing you know it's something that i take i take specifically very very seriously and then you know our crew does as well you know it translates to everybody yeah yeah it's really beautiful i like it yeah you know like the the, the you know the feathers and beads and stuff and the buffalo heads that can get a little bit tiring i think mm-hmm. um with my, with my job i'm always looking at websites and i'm always looking at photos of you know uh, images coming from Native American, it's still that same, um, you know, buffalo feathers, yeah. powwow yeah. dancer. Like yeah. You can have a you can have an article about Native Americans have the healthiest teeth in all of the world, and it's like the photo is a person in a powwow regalia. Right, 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 <laughs> straight up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's actually funny too that you say that because mumbo number five is on the stereo (laughs) but people ask that too yeah people (laughs) ask that too um but again i mean that's kind of the restaurant side of it's like there's a psychology behind everything and you know we've tried we try to do food music for people when they ask but it's like almost too calming um for the environment you know we've tried to do drum music but again that's like you have to choose a very specific drum music you know 
um, something that's not like ceremonial to people. Um, and for those that didn't know, it's almost like too much, you know, it's like too loud or something for them. Uh, I, I don't, yeah, so that didn't really work. Um, and then we tried to start doing native artists and things like that, but we didn't really, we weren't able to compile quite enough to like rotate throughout the day. So you have to play something, it has to be an upbeat um, that people want to sit here and eat. But also the same thing is like, that's why I wanted to show off um, is like people from our communities like music just like everybody else we like all these different styles we you know we live today just like everyone else like we like mambo number five <laughs> just i don't know if anyone likes mambo number five but um so yeah so i mean we thought about that too is like and people question why like why don't you do that but again it's like we want it to be a relaxing inviting atmosphere and that's part of it and a lot of times if you walk out of here and i say what do you remember no one's gonna say the music they're not even gonna notice it for listening to this episode of Toasted Sister. That was Ben Jacobs, owner of Takabe, an American Indian eatery. They're getting ready to open up their third location in Denver, and you can check them out at takabe.com and follow them on social media. Next, I catch up with Chef Sean Sherman from The Sioux Chef on his first ever visit to Albuquerque. That episode comes out on Thursday, July 20th. And if this is your first time listening to Toasted Sister, please subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or Podcast Addict. And please let people know about Toasted Sister. I'm pretty sure it's the only podcast around that focuses on indigenous food. 